Hey everybody, thank you so much for joining me for 10 Minute Tuesday. I got my homie Tanika on here. Tanika, what's going on? Hello, hello. It has been great. How have you been? I've been good. I've been good. Can't complain. I'm, I'm excited to have you on here. If you don't know, Tanika is like massive LinkedIn following, Twitter, got all the doing all the great work getting people put on. So I'm great to have you on here. I really appreciate you taking time out. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so I, to see what we do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I, that's my introduction. But let me go ahead and have you introduce yourself, uh, Tanika. Yeah, so I start by saying, you know, what I do in my nine to five is um, I'm a group product director for the Data Science as a Service organization. That portfolio essentially delivers machine learning models um, all across the Navy. So we're solving different use cases around um, machine learning, AI, and just general data science capabilities and helping the Navy move their mission forward. Outside of my nine to five, I just have a passion for being a resource for people. So it's been really cool to understand in these past two, three years, how there's so many resources that exist, but a lot of people are always able to access or don't have access to those same resources. So sharing them and showcasing and seeing all these wins that I've just been hearing about um, has been really fueling for me. So I love doing that. And I'm on the board of a nonprofit called Sparkbridge. Awesome. Awesome. So you're not busy at all, right? There's a lot of things. I'm just kidding. But you're super, super busy and a lot of things. But at, at a certain point, you had to get your start. So what really compelled you to get into data to begin with? You know, I would say just always being curious. So for me personally, um, I've always been a curious person. I've always been somewhat of an engineer. So breaking things, putting them back together, it started with probably the old computer at my mom's house as a kid or a teenager getting viruses on it. And then also trying to figure out how to solve the virus, which I didn't know was re-imaging at the time, but <laughs> going back and like, Oh, got a virus on it. Um, I want to get on the computer though. So how do I fix that? And so just always enjoying that reverse engineering aspect and solving the problems. When I was in college, my teachers probably would have said I should have been in tech or law, uh, specifically law because I was always debating or researching the facts um, and I came with data, <laughs> but it was it was really cool because I learned that um, I thought I wanted to be a nurse, thought I wanted to be in psych, but I was really drawn to the data within both of those fields because it offered me a way to really use my curiosity and problem solving skills to show value and make an impact and tell stories around it. So I enjoyed that idea of being able to use data to build solutions and understand how complex a problem could be and how a solution could really improve a person's life. I love that. I love that. And the curiosity, I think, definitely keeps us all going, right? How do we continuously build upon it or this challenge or this puzzle that we have and, and always trying to solve it? Yep. So, all right. So understanding you had a lot of jobs and done a lot of different things. Uh, what has been your least favorite job to date? And it doesn't necessarily have to be related to data, just in general. Like what's been your least favorite job that you've had? Here we go. Well, I'm going to tell you, I already know what it is. <laughs> it was as a tester. Um, it was my least favorite job, but also one of the jobs that made me really truly value QA and testing 
I was initially excited about getting on this project and it was as a tester, but it became really clear very quickly for me that they didn't have, or the leader didn't have a clear vision of where they wanted my career to go. And at that time in my career, I had always had leaders who were, who given me like a roadmap and said, if you go get into this role, you could be so successful doing this. And that's when I realized I needed to take ownership of my own career because I was asked to do tasks that I'm like, this is way, way below what I thought I would be doing. I'm not growing. I'm not learning. I'm, I'm doing a lot of repetitive things. And it did make me really reshape. Okay. Well, how do I be the best tester out there? Um, I hated it because it was extremely repetitive. Sometimes I'm just running my same um, test day after day. But what I learned was some people were also making the same mistakes all the time. And it gave me a really good opportunity to really learn how to do good QA documentation and testing documentation to the point now I look back on that. And even as a leader, I'm always asking about documentation um, and what tests were run to make sure that this was acceptable. So despite being a tester and, and thinking like, oh my God, this this job is beneath me. <laughs> I've been I've been testing my work for years. I learned how to be more adaptable and resourceful, um, helping to support other people in their code and their testing, helping them get a deeper understanding of what that uh, development process should look like as well with testing. So how do you do continuous integration testing and outside of just the work, importance of having a clear vision for your own career. That is really important because we leave it up to our leadership and our managers to really refine where we should go, but we should have our own vision for our career and our future. Yeah, I so agree with that, all that. Um, I did some QA stuff and it, like you said, it gets repetitive, right? It's just like same script, same thing over and over. It's like, I want to do more. I need to grow. I need to, but those foundational um, lessons and things really help as we progress. And I really think the career piece, I really big on ownership. So that makes total sense. And I hope everybody who's listening to this, like write that down, like own where you're going, like definitely take ownership on it. So understanding you've had the journey uh, that you're on, a lot of different roles, a lot of different responsibilities um, and the path that gets to where you have has been, you know, just, you know, your own path. What would you consider your biggest failure with quotation marks around failure? And what did you learn from that experience? Hmm. I've, um, I think I'm always failing because I'm always growing and, and I'm successful in so many ways because I fail. I'm running, I'm running tests all the time, but one of my, I'd say my biggest failure would be staying in a role too long that didn't fuel me or align with my values because it led to me being extremely unfulfilled, unmotivated. Um, it, it, I said I may need to reconsider my career, my career path and where I'm going. But the experience taught me that not only am I not my job, but my worth and my value aren't tied to this specific role or this project, but I'm many things outside of the box that I was placed in in that role. And I learned that I'm a multi-potentialite. <laughs> and that realization gave me the confidence to say, I need to make a change. I need to find something that really aligned to um, my journey and what fuels me. The 
work with working with a career coach really helped me do that. I had to hire a personal coach. I had a coach with my job, but sometimes there's a personal aspect of it that you like. I just I'm not I'm not getting it from the the work provided career coach and that's generally because I just didn't want to tell them everything I think but what I learned was when that coach highlighted that these are some of the intrinsic motivators for me and what were the extrinsic motivators I found a role that was a better fit and I was extremely happy in that role I was I was becoming extremely successful in that role before I moved companies but it it made me feel more fulfilled love that. And that's such like good sound advice about being in something where you're like, I'm in here too long um, and I need to get get out of that. So kind of a follow up question to that, because I interviewed one of my friends last week and he had a similar advice. That's right. Knowing when it's time for you to go, when it's time for you to leave. Do you feel like as you've gotten more seasoned in your career, you can kind of identify when it's time to be out a little bit faster or a little bit better? Yeah, I, I can identify even when someone reaches out to me on LinkedIn for a job. I'm like, that's not, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I've gotten more comfortable saying this is not aligned with um, what I see for my future, but I'm happy to refer or pass this along to other people. Um, and I've become more, I've become a stronger communicator in that even work in my work. So if I find people come to me all the time because um, I work with a team and some of this team has known me since the start of my career. And so they know everything that I've been able to do. And so they approach me with things that are like, oh my God, I remember you used to be really good at this thing. And I'm like, I was, I, I probably could still do that and I could do it very well. But is that where I want to go with my career? Do I want to still be known for that thing I did 10 years ago? I don't know. Doesn't seem like it's suitable for me. So, um, and it's a lot of reframing. So how do you reframe those opportunities in a way that it's not that you're too good for it? It's just, this isn't in alignment, but let's see if we can figure out a way, a good path forward that both of us can benefit. I love that. And I love that perspective. And I'm going to take parts of that perspective as well. Uh, I feel like, you know, for me and even people that I talk to, I think part of the growth is where you identify like at one point I would have taken everything. I would have said yes to everything, you know, give me this role. I would hop on it and figure out. But I think the maturation process of being like, this is not good for where I want to go. Like I'm appreciative, but in this moment, in this season of my life, this isn't where I want to go and articulating that in a way I feel like is a skill that some people don't pick up until much later. I, I agree. I think it was consulting ultimately that really helps. I mean, you know, as a consultant, <laughs> you have to be able to shape and frame things in a certain way um, to meet the needs of your client and be able to communicate so that in a way that your client doesn't feel slighted or jaded about what you said. And that that really is your business. So if you can't ultimately communicate it, in a way that doesn't say I'm too good for this, <laughs> uh, it will result in less return business. So understanding how to do that is not just important for you as a person working for a company, but I think you in general, and it's not just your job, it's even in your personal life, you know, with friends, people may see you for the place that you've been years ago, and they may think you're, you, you know, they may want you to do things that you just don't align to what you want to do. So 
Love that. Love that. All right, Tanika, what is one piece of advice you give someone who's just starting out in their career? Ooh, mm, the art of, <laughs> we, we kind of talked about it, but it's really the art of communication. Um, it, it stems from being able to research and understand what the issue is. Do you understand the issue? And do you also understand who your audience that you're trying to communicate um, with? So being able to draw them into your message really means articulating why your message is important to them, how your message will affect them, and how you can come to a solution or resolution or consistency on how to move forward. One thing that I've learned, and it's it started in consulting, is really being able to be an effective communicator means being able to understand exactly what the problem is at your level, but also at a level beneath you and a level above you. And like, why is this problem important to someone who's a VP? It may not be. So do you communicate it at that same level that you would communicate it to end users or customers? Maybe not. So how do you communicate at different audience levels, but also how do you uh, research to understand that issue at different levels and the impact of it. That's great advice. Again, another gem, just dropping gems for everybody on the episode. So I appreciate you, Tanika. Where can listeners find you at online? Uh, definitely Tanika Ask You. Uh, so on LinkedIn, Tanika Ask underscore Y-O-U. Um, I also wanted to, I forgot, I wanted to share one more thing. No, go for it. <laughs> is that okay? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, um, so I get this question has been coming up a lot recently, but when you talked about the piece of advice, there's my best advice for people who are starting out in their career and also in their career is really to look at what is your working style and how do you schedule your work around it. We always talk about building your niche and being an expert, being a generalist versus being an expert, but Understanding your working style really helps you understand when are you most productive and creative and then arranging your schedule to accommodate those times. So I understand not all jobs will be able to do that. But if you're a morning person, try to schedule your most important meetings or things to do in the first few hours of the day because you're fueled, you're driven, you're ready to go. Um, but if you're more productive in the evening, try to block off that time for really focused work. If you work around your natural rhythm, you'll be able to be more productive and creative, but you'll be happier and less stress and when I tell people to find their niche they're like well I have to really learn it and and dive deep and I just don't feel like my work style is conducive and I that's been a lot coming up a lot lately and I don't know if it's remote work error but um I do I definitely would say another piece of advice is to really understand what is your natural rhythm of work and creativity and productivity that is fantastic advice really great advice and really sound and I think I guess a follow up to that is like it morphs as seasons evolve. Like there might be times as you as a person uh, could be a morning person and you, everything is clicking and everything is just moving You're in rhythm and, you know, life event. I, I'll use myself as an example. Right. I had a daughter and, you know, it used to be my most productive time was like 8 p.m. to like 1 a.m. Like I was just in a groove as a developer. But then my daughter came and it flipped to be like 5 a.m. to like 10 a.m. because I'm already up. So I think definitely being mindful and, you know, self um, observant about your style can make you the most productive as you evolve. So that's a great call out. 
awesome yeah, awesome no, i just wanted to touch on that i've been getting it a lot lately so yeah that's Thank awesome you. yeah that's definitely gonna make the clip uh that i put on social media so definitely call that one out <laughs> so awesome we appreciate you tanika for taking time out this morning this was great i really appreciate you no problem let me know if you need anything else got you got you and if you haven't already please like share and subscribe and we will talk to y'all next week y'all have a great day